Welcome to Up in the Sky, aviation and travel podcast. Stay tuned for up-to-date aviation and travel news, followed by this week's topic of discussion. Now here's your host, Ebony J. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 15 of Up in the Sky Aviation and Travel Podcast with me, Ebony J. I hope you're all having a great week. Been really hot this week, the weather's just taken a turn, like in May it was really raining and it just wasn't great and now in June it's just like constantly hot. It's going to be about 25, 26 today and at the weekend it's just going to be, they said about 27, 28 in London, which is it's really good to see the hot weather, but sometimes it can just get that bit too hot. But the Euros are starting tomorrow, which is really exciting. I know England, I think we've got our first match on Sunday against Croatia. We'll see what happens because we did lose to Croatia in the World Cup. So we'll see what happens. And apologies for the podcast being released a day later. Just had a lot of things with work going on yesterday. So I was doing some stuff and then we met up for drinks and everything. So... Yeah, I just thought it's going to be better with a clear head today to record it and release everything and sort everything out on it. So apologies for being a day late, but let's just jump into the most recent aviation and travel news. I got really distracted by the eclipse. I had to stop just apparently the sun's crossing the moon like a third of a part i you can't look up at it so i just wanted to have a glimpse but it didn't happen i think it's too cloudy today but first we start with some news and some strange but funny news with southwest airlines this week and what happened was a young woman took advantage of the two bags fly for free policy that southwest had on offer and decided to check in along with her suitcase one of those pool noodle tube things so one of those long tubes that you take in a swimming pool and you wrap it around you and you're supposed to float yeah <laughs> so she took that in along with her suitcase now sydney this was sydney thousand education student who was flying with southwest from ohio to tampa and a bet was placed by her family for 20 dollars that she wouldn't be able to bring the noodle onto the flight with her However, she proved them wrong when they allowed her, Southwest actually allowed her to check in that pool noodle. And a video of all this was placed on the social media platform TikTok, which was founded, sort of went viral and had a lot of likes and views, and was founded by some of the staff at Southwest who gave her a really good surprise when Sydney took off from her return flight home. So Sydney explained to Travel Weekly that Southwest came together and planned some really cool things for her trip home. And in Tampa, where she departed, they decorated and gave her a branded Southwest pool noodle, which is really cool. And then when the plane she was travelling on landed in Columbus in Ohio, the airport staff on the runway all held up pool noodles and waved them at the aircraft as she was landing into the airport. So Sydney said that the amazing Southwest employees actually also, when she arrived in Columbus, filled the baggage claim with pool noodles and beach balls, just to sort of show their appreciation for the video. 
and Southwest released in a statement on Facebook that Sydney's family bet her 20 bucks that she wouldn't try to check in her pool noodle on Southwest. Not only did her pool noodle fly for free, but we gave her an extra special celebration on her flight back and ended it with enjoy those 20 bucks, Sydney. I love that. That's just really like positive news and it shows that Southwest, because sometimes with like videos like that, airlines may see the serious things side of it and ask people to take videos down and post down. But Southwest saw like the really funny side and they thought it was really good publicity for them. And it's great to think that they went all that way to fill the baggage claim with pool noodles and beach balls, got these staff to weigh pool noodles on the, onto the flight as she was coming in. It's just really great that to see that Southwest will go that far for their customers. So, and this article popped up on my Facebook and I know how to use it in the podcast, but it shows with this publicity sort of around the world because even though it's in the US, I found out about it. It makes you want to sort of fly with Southwest to see that they do care about their customers and they do go all out. So it is really great, great publicity and... Yeah, I think that's a really good news story to start with with Southwest. However, we do go on to some sort of negative news now. And a US airline that's only just started its sort of flights last week, which is called Breeze Airways. So it's a low-cost airline and running domestic flights across the US. And sadly, this week it was announced that the flight attendant labour unions have called on the Department of Transport to review the operating licence awarded to Breeze Airways just last week over concerns about the airline's recruitment strategy and that they claim that they sort of favour the young Caucasian white university students and sort of saying it's unfair that employees are being recruited for an online university programme. And like I said, this comes just one week after it's got its operating licence and did its inaugural flight. So people are saying that Breeze Airways are sort of like Ryanair trying to have as much the lowest like labour costs as possible and saying that those labour costs have been driven down by sort of hiring university students who sort of, I know university students go and can be paid minimum wage, but also providing them perks such as free accommodation and also reimbursing them for some of their tuition fees. So the union have said at the time Breeze filed their application for an operating licence, the union was unaware of what was going on with their recruitment strategy and they said if they had known that this was going on they would have object- objected straight away gone in with so many objections and it could have led to breeze airways not even having a operating r- license to run so breeze hope breeze airways hoped to sort of fill its flight attendant positions with university students who signed up for online courses through utah valley university and union claims that the recruitment policy is sort of blocking out the older applicants those who don't really want to earn a bachelor's degree but also those that have already completed a college course and it said that around 70 percent of utah valley university's population is under 30 and predominantly predominantly Caucasian and they've even said well Breeze touts its new recruitment methods as a way of saving on its cost of running an airline the method is sort of unfortunately limits its main pool of candidates to university students and there are petitions 
going on as we speak to sort of try and stop this. Let me know what you think. I'm a bit, I'm a bit here and there with it. So I would have loved this opportunity when I was at university. So I think if you were studying for like aviation or travel and tourism and sort of like an airline, say in Birmingham, I know Jet2 is a big airline and they said, they came to our university and said, oh, we have opportunities. You could become like part-time flight attendants like alongside your course or you could take a year out. That would be really good. So it give us experience and everything. But I think that's a totally different target that Breeze is getting at. So Breeze is sort of just wanting to do as much low labour cost as possible, as little training, minimum wage. I know they've got some perks, but I think they're just trying to get minimum wage as low as possible but they do need to be diverse so they need to open the recruitment out to like everyone like coronavirus has meant that people have lost a lot of jobs so I think just like targeting university students for jobs is a bit unfair as there are people out there with experience and knowledge of being a flight attendant who may have lost their job with another airline so I think they should have expanded and made sort of yeah sort just sort of made it available to everyone with experience without experience they could get training if they wish and it shouldn't have just gone to the university students so I do agree with yeah I do agree with the union on that side of it but then I know that if I I would have took up that opportunity if it was given to me but I do think that more airlines should maybe target university students who are sort of educating themselves to be within the industry so I know a lot of people in my course would have loved that opportunity to sort of gain experience within the industry go to the airports and everything so let me know what you think on my Instagram page yeah it's quite a quite a hard subject so now on to some tourism news over in Venice in Italy and there have been quite a few protests taking place over the weekend after the first cruise ship came into the city and this was after 17 months due to the coronavirus and this has led to some really unhappy residents who have protested over the sort of return to normal and getting the cruise back cruise ships on as they are really unhappy about these gigantic ships coming into the city, which I really don't really don't blame them. So at the weekend, hundreds of people rallied on on both sort of land and sea. So hundreds of people protested on land and quite a few people went on smaller boats all around the cruise ship and sort of protested with big signs saying no big ships. And they actually all surrounded the 92,000 tonne MSC orchestra as it was going to depart Venice and head on to both Greece and Croatia. So a 29-year-old Venice resident said that we are here because we are against this passage but also against the model of tourism that is destroying the city and pushing the residents sort of out of the city whilst also destroying the planet and creating lots of pollution. So I do understand where they're coming from because such a big ship can really pollute a such a nice elegant city like Venice is so I really do understand where this teacher is coming from but Port Authority's workers and also the city government really saw the positive side to the cruise ships coming back and welcomed the departure of the orchestra 
which was operated by MSC Cruises and sort of seeing it as a symbol that things were sort of turning back to normal, tourism was coming back in and things were just back to where they were pre-pandemic and it was sort of start of something positive as we all know the tourism industry, the cruise industry and also aviation, they really hit low within the pandemic so it's really good to see them start up. But I don't know, I'm mumming and ahhing about this. It's really good to see that cruise ships are starting up and people can get their jobs back on cruise ships and stuff. But it's creating a lot of pollution around the city and I think people don't want to be driven out of the city because of this. And, yeah, I know there's been some arguments about tourists in Venice because it is such a small but really can get really busy at times never been there before i would maybe like to one day but i'm not sure i wouldn't go on a cruise ship though but then i think residents have got to see that with the tourists coming in they're spending their money within the city and the money will be put back into the economy so they can get better facilities but i do see i do see the resident side i in my village if it was a popular village i would hate tourists and tourists come in and the shops being crowded and everything and pollution and noise pollution yeah I wouldn't like it if it was like my hometown but let me know what you think on my Instagram page it's it's one of those really opinionated subjects you can sort of talk about on any like tourism big tourist city so the residents don't like it because of the pot like because of the busyness and the pollution but then you've got to think they are putting money back into your economy it's a very difficult subject to talk about so finally over to portugal and there's been quite quite it's been quite hectic at faro airport as they have had a busy turnout of uk tourists sort of trying to get home from their holidays due to recent government announcements stating that portugal would be put on the amber list the UK's amber list from Tuesday the 8th of June so this was two days ago due to rising cases within coronavirus. So more than 112,000 Brits were currently in Portugal and travellers returning after Tuesday would have to take a pre-departure Covid test and also isolate for 10 days once they arrive back and they would have to also fork out of quite a bit of money for two more debt two more tests on day two and also day eight if they did want to get out of isolation early so yeah so it's been quite a rush in fire airport because i'm guessing people don't really want to isolate for 10 days and they've got to go back to work and stuff so yeah i understand some people are wanting to go home and why faro airport would be so busy but to be honest mm, i do agree that I didn't go the reason why I didn't go in like and travel internationally is because I knew that because of rising cases in COVID it could just change like just in a click of a finger it would just change to amber and then you'd have to find flights home and it would just cost you more money and that's why I didn't go abroad that's why I'm staying in the UK this year or until everything is just sorted out so I I do feel sorry that people have to rush back home from their holidays, but I think it's, I don't know, I just wouldn't risk going abroad within the pandemic. Yeah. So those that are trying to get back to the UK before these rules came into force, 
were now facing escalated flight prices because so many people were trying to book onto these flights. So a seat on a Ryanair flight from the capital of Lisbon in Portugal to Manchester, which was on the Monday, the day before the quarantine came into effect, was costing £339, whereas to fly on the Wednesday, which was after the Portugal got put on the Ambulis, this was just £75. So you can see the flight, like the price difference and how big it would be. And also we've got some quotes from British Airways. So they were charging £348 for flights to from Barrow to London Heathrow on both Sunday and Monday. But then by Tuesday, when all the when Portugal was going to be on the Ambulist, it's gone down to £137. So you can see a big difference. So airlines have really benefited. And the airline said that it would hopefully operate, they were going to hope to operate more flights, which I think they did for people returning home. So to be the largest, our UK's largest tour operator said that 9,500 customers in Portugal altogether that flew out for the half term but already fell by 2,000 people by Tuesday because of the end of the half term and schools had and children had to get back to school and people had to get back to work so 2,000 people had to cut short their holiday who were flying with TUI to come back to the UK just so they won't have to quarantine that's that's just that's crazy but like I said I wouldn't have I just don't want that risk of being somewhere and then suddenly it's, oh, you've got to go back or else you've got to quarantine and you've got to miss days of work. So my work has said if we did go abroad, we would have to take the 10 days isolation as annual leave. And then if we did run out of annual leave, we wouldn't be paid. So, yeah, just not not the best time. But I know, like, I know a lot of people, I think all of us at work have said we're not travelling abroad this year just until everything's calmed down, until we see see the light at the end of the tunnel, basically, with the pandemic. So, yeah, let me know what you think. Would you go, to, would you go abroad with the risk that you could be isolating when you come back or you've got to spend out more money? Let me know what you think about that. Yeah, we'll see what happens with other countries and see if they get put on greens and amber lists. But I think because of the rising tourism numbers in Portugal, that's why it's been put on the amber list because there are rising cases. So it's only fair, but we'll see what happens with all these countries' tourism. So that concludes the new segment for this episode. So on to our topic of discussion. So now on to our topic of discussion and this week we're going to be talking all about the German national flag carrier which is Lufthansa. So to be honest I never knew this but Lufthansa is actually the second largest airline in Europe in terms of its passenger numbers. So we go all the way back to 1926 where the company called Deutsche Lufthansa A.G was formed. However a few years later due to the war and Germany losing the second world war and also they faced accusations of relying on forced labour. The business was reinvented into a new national airline called Lufttag, which was their shortened name. I'm not sure what their long name was and I just could not pronounce it. And this airline was founded in Cologne in 1953. 
and within the year Lufthag placed orders on four Convair CV340s and four Lockheed L-1049s and set up a maintenance base within Hamburg Airport. Then a year later, in 1954, Lufthag acquired the name and the logo of the liquidated airline, the Deutsche Lufthansa, and on the 1st of April 1955, Lufthansa finally won its approval to start scheduled domestic flights. So this connected really big German cities, so Dusseldorf, Hamburg, Frankfurt, Cologne and Munich. And then a month later, international flights started for the airline to London, Paris and also Madrid in Spain. Yeah, I get confused between Milan, um, Milan and Madrid. And this was followed a month later by Super Constellation flights to New York, so extra long haul flights from the 1st of June, so a month later. And by 1963, so a few years later, the airline initially limited its public relation efforts and became a major purveyor within the West Germany's image abroad. So you know that Germany won the... Uh, Germany didn't win. Germany lost the Second World War and... East and West Germany, as you know, they split up during the Cold War and they sort of had a bit of a bad reputation with the world because of what happened with the Second World War. So I think Lufthansa was just trying its best to sort of get tourists into Germany and sort of improve the image that Germany had. And unfortunately for Lufthansa, due to the Cold War and the split between the countries, a special sort of status meant that Lufthansa couldn't offer their services as an airline within Berlin and was not allowed to fly there until the Berlin Wall was put down in, I think that was around 1990. And yeah, it's really weird to know that they couldn't fly out of like, they were the national flag carrier and couldn't fly out of their own sort of capital city, which is really weird to think, but they gradually built up a sort of national hub within Frankfurt, which is really good to hear. So within the time in the 50s, sort of Lufthansa represented West Germany. East Germany sort of tried to establish their own its own sort of national airline in 1955 using the Lufthansa name, but this sort of resulted in a legal dispute, as you can see, with West Germany. And this is where Lufthansa was operating and instead of using the Lufthansa name, East Germany established an airline with the name Interflug as its national airline by 1963, which coincided with the name of Lufthansa and that sort of whole airline within East Germany being shut down. But back to 1958, and Lufthansa ordered four Boeing 707, so they started with the Boeings in 58, and started jet flights from Frankfurt to New York City by March 1960. And from there, Boeing 720Bs were later brought to sort of back up on those routes, because apparently the New York route was really popular, so they sort of used them as backup for the 707 fleets. Shortly after that, Lufthansa introduced the Boeing 727 in 1964 and began a really popular polar route from Frankfurt to Tokyo via Anchorage. And then a year later in 65, the 
airline brought the Boeing 737 that went into service three years later in 68, which are still around today. It's mad to think that they were, Boeing 737s were around in like the 60s. So Lufthansa was the first com customer of the Boeing 737 and was one of four buyers to buy the 737-100s as well. Then on to the 70s now, and Lufthansa introduced their big jumbo jet, like many other airlines did within the 70s, and that was the Boeing 747 to do the sort of long-haul routes, followed by the introduction of buying their DC-10s in 1973, and also the first Airbus A300. I need to do some more research on the 300. I haven't really seen that around. And then... In 1979, so by the end of the 70s, Swissair joined up with Lufthansa to become the first sort of two airlines to launch customers in a Airbus A310 and ordered 25 of its aircraft. So they brought quite a, quite a few aircrafts within their times. So by the 1990s and with the Berlin Wall being collapsed and sort of marked the end of the Cold War, the Lufthansa sort of did a fleet modernisation and... This began five years earlier in 1985, but sort of finished by the 1990s. And they ordered 15 Airbus A320s, 7 Airbus A300s and pen, pen? 10 Boeing 737-300s. And they were all delivered between 1987 and 1992 within their sort of fleet modernisation. And then soon after that, Lufthansa brought, I think Lufthansa brought every aircraft going. They ended up buying their Airbus A321s, Airbus A340s and also some more Boeing 747-400 aircrafts. And then finally, like I said, in October of 1990, just after the Berlin Wall was knocked down, Berlin became a destination for Lufthansa. And then a few years... I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say a few months later, and then I looked at my notes and it said 97. I was like, no, that's seven years later. And then suddenly in 1997, I talked about this in a few episodes ago when I did the alliances Lufthansa, Air Canada, Scandinavian Airlines, Thai Airways, and also United Airlines formed the Star Alliance, as we know and love today, and was actually the world's first multi airline alliance. And I think we said that's, that was the oldest one, wasn't it? Yeah. I think One World was the youngest. I'm not sure. I need to go back on that episode. We went all over it a few weeks ago, but yeah. So like we said, in May 1997, they created the Star Alliance, which Lufthansa is still in today. And then in 2000, a, year, a few years later, Air One became a Lufthansa part, partner airline and... All, I think all of their one flights were co-shared with Lufthansa until, unfortunately, a few years later, Alitalia, so the Italian national airline, did buy out Air One. Then, in 2001, which is really early to think, but Lufthansa announced that they were ordering 15 Airbus A380s. And that's really weird to think that the Airbus A380s were like thought about in the early 2000s. I always think it's like a 2000, 2005 it came about, but it came about more earlier than that. And they confirmed that the Airbus A380 fleets were to be used on their long-haul flights. So to New York, over to Tokyo, which is what they're there for. <laughs> then in 2003, Lufthansa opened a sort of 
dedicated airline terminal and that was terminal 2 at Munich's airport and this was thought to bring down traffic at their hub within Frankfurt as it was sort of suffering really suffering really bad capacity constraints at Frankfurt and it was actually one of the first so Munich's terminal 2 was one of the first sort of terminals to be in Europe to be actually owned by an airline like you know terminal 5 at Heathrow is mainly owned by British Airways so on March 2005 Swissair was purchased by Lufthansa's holding company and the acquisition the acquisition included the provision that the majority shareholders would be offered a payment if Lufthansa's share price outperforms an airline's index during the years following the merger and it was announced that the two companies although they did sort of form as one they would be running as two separate airlines if you get what I mean that was quite confusing on to three years later and 2008 and Lufthansa also announced that I know they brought to us there but they were purchasing a stake in Belgium's national airline Brussels airline and in 2009 the EU commission granted regularity approval and Lufthansa actually acquired 45% of SN then in 2009 let me look at my notes Lufthansa did some more purchasing and purchased Austrian Airlines with the approval of the European Commission. So they're buying quite a few European airlines as you can see. And then after a loss of 381 million euros in the first quarter of 2010 and another 30 million euro loss in the year 2011, which was all down to the economic recession and restructuring costs Deutsche Lufthansa cut 3,500 jobs which was around I think 20% of its total staff which is really sad to see that they had to cut so many jobs just due to the recession and in 2012 Lufthansa announced a restructuring program which they named SCORE and was all in aid of improving its operating profits and as part of this sort of plan the company started to transfer all its short-haul flights outside its hubs in Frankfurt, Munich and Dusseldorf and sort of formed a rebranded low-cost carrier called German Wings. So although they were doing quite well I know they had to cut some jobs there were some disputes within those years and they had a long-standing pursuit with the Verein oh, I'm gonna say this really wrong Verengen cockpit union which demanded a scheme was put in place for pilots to retire at the age of 55 and 60% of their pay to be retained but Lufthansa insisted that that was really no longer affordable for them. So Lufthansa pilots in 2014 were joined by pilots from the group's budget carrier German Wings and they staged a nationwide strike in support of their demands in April 2014, which lasted three days and it ended up just cancelling so many flights. And then the pilots staged another protest, a six-hour strike at the end of the summer holidays, which is very bad for the airline, thinking that everyone's flying back to go back to school and back to work. In September 2014 and that caused the cancellation of 200 Lufthansa flights and 100 German wing flights 
But then a year later, this was all sorted out and an agreement was made. In 2015, Lufthansa announced plans that it was to close their base at Dusseldorf Airport as it was quite a small airport and this was due to economic reasons. So they were sort of starting to go downhill because of the recession earlier within the decade. And at the time, the base consisted of two Airbus A340s that were just rotating. So it's quite a small hub for Lufthansa. It was just two Airbus A340s rotating from Newark and Chicago. And just due to all this, their Chicago route was made seasonal and later suspended and cancelled altogether because of economic reasons and low passenger numbers. However, service to Newark has been maintained and still, I think, is going today. And then, yeah, it was quite a bad time for Newark. <laughs> so we go on to 2016 now. Can you? I can't believe 2016 was five years ago. It's, it just seems like yesterday I was in 2016. I think I was in I was still still at school then in my last two years. But back to it. So in March 2016, Lufthansa actually ended their Boeing 737 operations. And the airline's last Boeing 737, which was a 737-300, was retired in October of that year after a flight from Milan to Frankfurt. After about, I think they had the 737 for quite a long time, back in the 60s. So it's really sad to see that such a long-lasting aircraft was cancelled by Lufthansa. Then on 4th of December 2017, Lufthansa became the first European airline to receive the Skytrax five-star certification, being such a high-rated airline. And a key factor in this was the announcement of a new business class cabin on their flights and seating that was expected to be introduced in 2020. Not sure if that happened because of the pandemic, as you know. And this makes Lufthansa the 10th airline to be holding the award of the five star, with the fifth star being given to a product that was to airlines with products that's supposed to be introduced two years after the evaluation. Yeah, so of course, after getting that five star from Skytrax, Lufthansa had to show that off and they painted an Airbus A320 and also a Boeing 747 in five star hunt and it said five-star Hansa just to show that they are a five-star airline on their aircraft, which is really great to see. They need to get that publicity out there that they are five-star. Then on to 2018, and Lufthansa and other airlines such as American Airlines and British Airways accepted a request from Beijing to list Taiwan as a part of China. So they used quite a big destination Taiwan is, so it's now listed as being in China after, and I think it was an agreement, yeah. But we go on to a year later and to 2019 and Lufthansa ordered Boeing, this is where the big dream dreamliner comes in, and Lufthansa ordered 20 Boeing 787-9 and additional Airbus A350s, so there are, they are our sort of newest aircrafts that are coming into airlines now. Really excited to sort of try out an A350 at one point and also a Boeing 787. They're the two aircrafts I really want to try, but also do want to try the Airbus A380 again. Again, I've never been on it, <laughs> but I would love to try it just to sit, not to fly anywhere, just to sit on an Airbus A380 would be absolutely amazing. But 
So they purchased 20 Boeing 787s and 20 Airbus A350s. And this was to replace sort of their long-haul aircraft, such as the A380s. So it was announced they were going to sell their six A380 aircraft back to Airbus, hopefully at the beginning of 2022, which is really sad to see. But like we said in so many other episodes, it's just not economically viable for them to fly the Airbus A380s as there's low passenger numbers now due to Covid and everything and it's just costing them a lot of money to fuel such a big aircraft so I do agree that they that airlines are starting to sell their Airbus A380s but I would love to just fly on one hopefully soon but then now we've got the Boeing 787s and the Boeing A350s that are quite smaller aircraft so I know they take smaller passenger numbers than the A380s but they do go the longer mile when they're cheaper to run so yeah it'd be interesting to see I'd love to fly on one of those aircrafts yeah so they want that by 2022 and by March 2020, so this is where all the pandemic sadly started, Lufthansa cancelled 95% of its flights due to travel bans throughout the world due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And the airline incurred losses of 1 million euros per hour in April 2020. That's just crazy, just absolutely crazy to think. And... Whilst they did reduce its cost throughout 2020, with continuing health risks and travel restrictions causing hourly losses. And at the beginning of 2021, it did go down a bit, as we know, COVID just goes up and down at the moment. And at the beginning of 2021, this came down to €500,000 an hour that they lost. But it is meant to happen. It's such a lot of money to think that that's been wasted but there's nothing you can really do about it. Then on the 14th of May this year, so that was quite recently, Lufthansa actually announced that flights would resume between Toronto and Frankfurt on the 3rd of June. So they are hopefully starting up their long haul flights. And this was because, so I'm just trying to sort out my tablet. I've got a new tablet this week. It's sort of a laptop that turns into a tablet, but I'm just trying to work it out. It just doesn't doesn't seem to like me. But yeah, so flights are hopefully 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 starting between Toronto and Frankfurt. I think they did go off eventually after international travel was banned from Canada. And yeah. So things hopefully are looking up and we can start long haul flights again with Lufthansa. As before yeah, before the pandemic, it was operating about 64 weekly flights to Toronto and all around Canada, actually, not just Toronto, Vancouver. So it's crazy to think that they are just only starting flights again back to Canada. But hopefully it will go really well for them and tourist numbers, airline passenger numbers will really go up. But it is a must that you do have to wear the masks on board when flying with Lasanza again. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll just see what happens, and we'll see what happens to Lufthansa. Now they do have a nine billion euro government assistance that will help them out. Hopefully this summer with the COVID pandemic, and hopefully get them to sort of start up again on their short haul and long haul routes. So we'll just see what happens with Lufthansa. I've never flown with Lufthansa before, but I've seen quite a few videos of their flights. 
so I think the points guys in the UK went on their flight to Singapore it was either Singapore or New York and it just looked amazing like there's like first class service looked brilliant and just the layout of the cabins looked really good as well so I would love to fly Lufthansa at some point we'll see what happens within the next few months and years but that is an airline I would love to fly there's so many other airlines but Lufthansa definitely I do have a friend in Germany so she lives uh in Dresden so maybe I could use Lufthansa to get to her if I'd like to visit her at some point because I haven't seen her in ages yeah so maybe use Lufthansa then that would be a that would be a really good experience but we'll see what happens with the pandemic like I said I probably won't be traveling internationally this year but we'll see what happens let me know what you think about Lufthansa have you ever flown with them before have you had good bad views what is your views on if you haven't flown before what are your views on Lufthansa and yeah we'll just see what happens see if we can see if Lufthansa can get flying again see if we can get flying again yeah it's just one of those things Covid is but we're ending the episode here so that's the end of all the history and everything about Lufthansa so actually I was gonna I just realised I was going to end the episode and I was like, I've explained all about the history, but I haven't explained all about what the airline is at now. So, yep, like I said, right now, <laughs> I'm just going back through my notes. I was like, I have pages missing. So right now, the Lufthansa has hubs in Frankfurt and Munich. And like we said, they're still part of the Star Alliance as they were back in 1997. And they do have quite a few subsidiaries, Lufthansa. So they have Air Dolomiti, they have Austrian Airlines, they have Brussels Airlines, Eurowings, and they also have a really good cargo network as well, along with Lufthansa City Lines, so therefore more domestic flights, Swissair, Air Logic, Sun Explore, they own 50% of, and also they have their own consulting company and also their own sort of subsidiary for flight training which is really good to see and their current fleet is they have a fleet size of 262 aircrafts so this might go down as they are getting rid of their Airbus A380s but it could go up as they are getting in a few more 787s and A350s and they do fly to 220 destinations around the world but as we explained it's not happening at the moment due to travel restrictions and COVID-19. But back in normal times, 220 destinations around the world is a lot. And they have their current headquarters in Cologne in Germany. So like we said, that's where they sort of formed in 1953. So their operating income is about 2 billion euros in 2019 which was down from some years but their revenue in 2019 we forget about 2020 was at 36.42 billion euros which is really good and they have 138,000 roughly employees in the company which hopefully that didn't go down that was in 2019 so with the pandemic and job losses I'm hoping that didn't go down because hopefully people were I don't know if furlough existed in Germany, but hopefully people had that. That was available for them. But, yeah, it's really sad to see people lose their jobs with such big companies. But it's a thing that just has to happen, unfortunately. But, yeah, so that's all about Lufthansa. Like I said, 
I won't be I probably won't be flying any time this year but hopefully in the future to Dresden maybe maybe somewhere around there I have been to Germany once I went to Berlin I flew from Luton to Berlin Schönefeld but I flew with EasyJet for that oh, I should have flew with Lufthansa but oh well maybe next time yeah so that was really interesting to see an airline that I've never flown with haven't really got much information so it's really good to do some research on that so yep so we're any topic of discussion here and yeah that was really interesting so next week I'm hoping to record it on Wednesday and release the podcast on Wednesday we'll see what happens but I think I'm all free free next week on Wednesdays yep that's always my day off from work everyone has their day off on Wednesday because we open Saturday so yeah Wednesday's always our days off so that's when I record and release and sort everything out on the podcast but next week I'm really excited about next week's topic of discussion because I'm going to go all over the Disney parks I've only been to Disney World Florida I haven't been to any others but I really want to do some research into all their resorts around the world so we'll be talking about hotels restaurants the parks the rides history of the resorts so we'll be going over Disneyland Resort in California Walt Disney World in Florida Disneyland Paris in Paris in France Shanghai Disney Resort Hong Kong's Disneyland Resort and also Tokyo's Disney Resort so I'm I don't know, I really like Disney. I'm not really a Disney fanatic, but I do like learning about Disney parks. And maybe one episode in a few weeks I might do about Disney cruises. I would love to do an episode on cruise liners and everything. So that will be coming up in a few weeks, maybe. But next week, it's all about Disney. We're going through all the Disney parks, the Disney resorts, hotels, everything you need to know about Disney. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's one thing I've really wanted to do in a long time so hopefully you can look forward to that too and it will be released next wednesday for sure so to end this podcast i'm ebony this is up in the sky and i hope you'll have a great week thank you for listening to this week's episode of up in the sky new episodes will be posted every wednesday follow at up in the sky aviation podcast on instagram for information and updates hope you all have a great week